You can't imagine really driving without a rear view mirror, can you? Though they might be replaced by rear-facing cameras and a screen on your dashboard, the purpose of them is still the same, and, and it's important to, to have them when we're driving. Obvious reasons, of course, as we're, we're backing up and, and to be able to look behind us or see the screen so we don't run over anything, but even when we're on the road to be able to see what's behind us, if there's somebody driving dangerously and swerving behind us that is speeding up on us, if there's somebody too close tailing behind us, or if somebody is following us who, who doesn't know where they're going, we want to make sure that we don't lose them behind us as well. Sirens and, and lights flashing, all of these things, we need a rear view mirror to tell us what is behind us. At the same time, if you only looked in the rear view mirror or on that screen with the rear facing camera, you wouldn't be driving very long because it would be a short matter of time before you would run into something in front of you because you were too focused on what was behind you. So while they serve an important purpose, the benefit of the rear view mirror is not so that we are stuck looking at what's behind us, but its purpose is to help us get ahead, move forward to wherever our destination might be. If we looked just at it, it would put us at more of a risk than it would actually help us the way it's supposed to. The same can kind of be true in life. There's a, a place for us to look back in the past, to look behind us. And the value of that is to be able to learn maybe from mistakes that we've made. Now, if we don't ever take the time to look in the past and review and assess things, well, people who aren't able to do that then wonder why they keep making the same mistakes over and over in life because they've never or very rarely take the time to look back and assess or review what is behind them, what happened in the past. On the other hand, if somebody is only looking back in the past, that isn't healthy either. Because to be focused so much in the past is to be ready to allow and admit that the present and the future are always going to leave us disappointed because they will never measure up to the glory days, the good old days, of the past. So we want to avoid either extreme by recognizing that yes, there is a place for us to look back in the past, but we don't only want to get stuck there all the time. So with that balance in mind, as we close our series on Christmas this morning, we want to, today, we want to bring that balance to us. We want to bring a balance that, that recognizes the benefit of looking back on the mess that has been this year. But as we are, are looking forward, we look forward as we are looking back at the previous year as well. And as we do that today, we're going to use Psalm 96, which you might recognize as the psalm assigned or appointed for Christmas Eve to guide us and to help us focus. Though he's often the one that is credited with it, you know that, that Buddy the Elf is not the first one who, ex, who expressed or encouraged people that the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. I know he's the one credited with it, but the psalmist said the same thing essentially in, in Psalm 96 today. He says, sing to the Lord a new song, sing to the Lord all the earth, sing to the Lord, praise his name. Three times the psalmist encourages us to sing to spread cheer as well. And not only that, but notice that he encourages us to sing a new song. 
Another way of thinking of that is you don't have to sing the same song in 2021 that was sung this year. You actually get to determine what song you're going to sing in the year ahead. You don't have to sing the same tired old refrain of one bad news story piled up on top of another. So what is the song that you're going to sing? What is it going to be in the year ahead? Is your song going to be filled with the joy and the, the, the hope, the experience of better success and, and enjoyment in the workplace, either at your current job or maybe even a new job? Is your song going to revolve around making it to the next level of your education, maybe a graduation or pursuing a degree on, on some other level? Or maybe yours is going to be a love song that revolves around a, a newfound relationship that blossoms in the year ahead. It could be any number of those things, but I want to caution you, while none of those are bad, and in fact all of them, each of them can be good things, we have to be aware of attaching our plans or, or the hope for our new song in 2021 to anything that is worldly, to anything that is earthly. Not that it's bad or wrong, but many people are unprepared then when things do go bad or wrong because they were only attached to those earthly, worldly plans. And then as many experience over the course of this year, when those plans fall flat on their face, we're left with a mess and we don't know how to handle it. So while as I am as an optimistic person as any and love planning and personal growth and seeking to strive and better myself as many of you are in, in different areas of life, there's maybe a better way than making sure those things are the, the thrust or the main theme of your new song in 2021 so that the refrain that you're singing is not just tied to worldly things. Let me make a better suggestion. In fact, why don't we follow the advice of the psalmist? And here's the, the beautiful thing. You don't have to come up with any new content. Even though it's going to be a new song and a new year, you don't have to come up with any original content. No, just follow the psalmist's advice. And, and maybe we could summarize that like this. Make your plans in 2021 revolve more around the Lord and less around your life. And what does it look like to, to revolve more around the Lord? Well, look what the psalmist encourages us to sing about. He says, Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all peoples. And it's hard not to, to tie that, those expressions that the psalmist use, uses to what we just celebrated Christmas. So don't just look back to this past year. Keep going further back to 2,000 years and see this joyful message that certainly applies to what the psalmist is talking about here. That day that salvation was gifted into this world through the birth of Jesus Christ, our Savior. How can that be a part of, of the new song for us in the year to come. And notice something else as we consider the, the distinction here. The psalmist wrote these words hundreds of years before that joy was known, the joy of Jesus being born into this world. And yet this whole psalm is filled with joy and rejoicing and proclaiming and declaring the good things that God is and the, the wonderful, gracious God that he is. And then you remember what happened on the day of Jesus' birth. Not just the psalmist hundreds of years ago, but the angels themselves 
sang and rejoiced. And what did they rejoice in? The glory that they were witnessing here on earth. And that is mind-boggling that these are the very messengers, the angels who are in the presence of God. There is no more place imaginable that, that is filled with more glory than being in God's presence in heaven. And yet here they are in a broken, fallen world that knows only sadness and sorrow and sin, and they're singing about glory at the birth of Jesus. And as amazing as that is for the psalmist to be filled with such joy hundreds of years before this this Christ came into our world, and the angels to sing of the glories, this newfound glory, as today a, a Savior was born to you, the starkest contrast strikingly standing in, in almost opposition, definitely noticeable difference to to those experiences of the psalmist and the angel is how muted our joy becomes so quickly, even after a few days removed from our celebration of, of that gift of salvation into the world on Christmas Day as well, as if our joy has just been jettisoned and, and the glory is already gone. How, how can this be so so quickly, is, is that what the psalmist had in mind when you consider the, the rest of the encouragement that he gives to us? In verse 8, he says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. All of these pictures that, that apply to us, and especially, yes, in our worship of the Lord. And yet, how do we, how do we explain that we can struggle to barely mumble the psalm as we speak it responsively. That, that it sounds as if we are, are more depressed than we are excited as we try to, to muster up the gusto to sing yet another song and not be distracted by something else. To even rile up the energy, even just to get to church if we feel comfortable doing so. Or, or to watch a worship video like this when it's so easy to watch any number of other things. And there's, there's such, such a lacking joy. There's, there's no energy. There's no zeal. Is that what the psalmist had in mind when he was talking about worship? How can it be that, that we can bring such a, a lack of zeal and joy and energy to our worship? Is it because we have forgotten who God is and what he has done for us? Maybe it's, it's that we, we don't know what it means anymore in verse 4 to be feared, to fear God above all gods, or in verse 9 to tremble before Him all the earth. Because if our worship is so tepid and so lackluster, is it because we, we have forgotten or we don't fear anymore in verse 13 that, that He comes to judge the earth and He will judge the world? This is the, the God in the heavens above who, who undoubtedly knows and can see he's omniscient and he's well aware of our ho-hum worship, does that not strike fear into us that God himself has every right to ask himself, do they even believe what they're saying and speaking and singing when they gather for worship? Because it sure doesn't appear that way. Hearts that are, are lukewarm and barely there, present in, in body but not mind and spirit. And yet, how can it be that the psalmist is filled with such joy throughout this psalm? 
Why is he not terrified of that, that truth that the Lord is going to come to judge the earth and to judge the world? It's because the psalmist knows what we know by faith. He explains that judgment. He's going to come to judge the earth and judge the world in righteousness and the people's in truth. And when the psalmist writes that, that he's going to come and, and judge, while that might strike fear into us when we recognize that he's coming to judge on the basis of righteousness and truth, it is not our lack of righteousness that will serve as the basis for his judgment. It is not our falsehood that will serve as the basis for his judgment when he returns on that last day. No, the good Lord in his grace and mercy, is going to come and he's going to judge on the basis of his righteousness and his truth. So as much as we celebrate on Christmas that, that the gift of salvation came into this world, that little boy, the Christ child, came in to, to grow up and to die for our sins, let's not overlook that the gift of salvation came to live for us purely, perfectly, in a holy righteousness that he alone could earn for us. The splendor of the holiness, as the psalmist describes it, the splendor of God's holiness. Are we, are we ever overjoyed or excited or amazed at that simple truth that somebody could actually be holy and pure and perfect and righteous? And then on top of it, that that God would credit that righteousness to you and to me by faith. And that he judges on the basis of his truth or his faithfulness, depending on the translation. And I, I like the truth, especially in, in this day and age, because we are, are so accustomed to throwing around this idea that, that he has his truth, she has her truth, that group over there has their truth, and I have my truth. And it's all nonsense. It's all garbage. It's all a, a mismatch that, that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. There's only one truth, and it's God's truth. In fact, the Bible itself applies that title, truth, to Jesus, as well as the way and the life. No, despite our lackluster joy, not only so closely removed from Christmas, but even throughout the year when, when our worship uh, is more zombie-like than it is saint-like, when it is uh, that we are, are maybe show up simply to, to treat it as a, another thing to to check off the list rather than to be filled with the joy and the peace of, of salvation as the psalmist so clearly is. Nevertheless, God in his grace judges us on the basis of Jesus' righteousness and his truth. And because he does, there is no fear left for us. So the question as, as we are looking ahead to this new year, as we're in that that kind of limbo just after December 25th and, and not quite into the new year, what a wonderful opportunity for us to reflect. What is going to be different in the year ahead? What is my new song going to consist of? Is Jesus going to be a part of it? What would your new year look like if that were the case? And, and, and I mean it this time to actually ask that question. Aren't you sick of how many times in your life, how many years are you going to, to let this good intention that you have of this is going to be the year that you grow in your faith and, and yet another year passes by and nothing changes? Aren't you sick of that? Why can't this be the year that, 
that Jesus more and more and his salvation are your new song? What would it look like for worship to be a weekly occurrence? What difference would it make in your life? How could the Holy Spirit change you if you spent time daily with God in his word? What impact might you be able to have on your church and your community as you explore your own gifts and abilities and you discover them more and more by being more involved in your church, your congregation? How might your generosity touch and impact others as you are determined to to give and, and increase your giving in different ways, in new ways? What might it look like if if we collectively as a congregation were made up of brothers and sisters in Christ who were determined, despite the mess that is this past year, who were determined to sing a new song in 2021, a song that was committed to making our plans less about our own lives and more about the Lord and his glorious gift of salvation. Well, let's find out. And do so with the confidence that the Lord will bless our plans to do so. Amen.